0: Hi there, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about Kickstarters, um, your big bad evil guy showing up too soon, and Lucian has some problems with the healing spirit spell. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello.
1: Good morning. I already see a couple of names I saw from last night who stayed up super late playing some games with us. Cool to see you guys showing up. Yeah. Saturday morning. we got a good show for you.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, we're going to talk about all of the things and some of our home games and Kickstarters and critical role and i mean we got all sorts of stuff to talk about today um and i also have uh some people in my chat here on youtube that i should say hello to hello and good morning Um, Yes, so if you are curious, we are streaming both live on Twitch and YouTube. You can catch us every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, on either of those platforms. And then we're also a podcast and we're also uh, VODs are on YouTube and on Twitch, I guess. So you can catch them both there. But the extended catalog is on YouTube because Twitch erases uh, videos Everything. after a while so <laughs> yeah.
1: randomly i remember getting a message that said hey we lost a bunch of these videos just to let you know oh all right
0: thanks <laughs> oh, that's fun yeah uh thanks amazon twitch is owned by amazon right am i wrong i think so yeah. yeah
1: somewhere like that
0: i believe that is true um yes so dungeons and dragons role-playing games galore what is happening in the world of, of Kickstarters, I guess. I'm looking at our news. <laughs> yeah,
1: our notes a little bit. Well, um, there was a little bit of D&D um, information out. Uh, it wasn't much. We're still getting a lot of information on the Descent, which is the big live event that's coming up. Yep. In May, we found out that WebDM was able to post last week that, hey, they're getting to go, and a lot of people have been asking how come they hadn't been invited yet or whatever. They
0: were a late addition, right? I think so, or yeah. at least they're in a late
1: announcement. A late I, announcement, I yeah. Do. Yeah, I think they knew, but, okay. um, so, and, and they're great. They're the type of people that if anybody had come to me and asked who should be at this thing, that's who I would have said, web DM should be at that. I think they'll have a good time. I'm sure it's our invite
0: perfect. got lost in the mail. So, we're yeah. okay.
1: <laughs> well, and that always brings up because we've seen a few people who have a little bit of, um, sour grapes if they didn't get invited or some of yeah. us that
0: wish we could be invited.
1: But then I think I was looking at it or thinking about this morning and I, honestly, I was like, well. I need to do more before I get an invite from them for doing stuff. And I recognize that. And I, and I hope I will in this next coming up year, because it just makes me think, all right, let's just do the things that would make them want to bring us out and do a live show. Because if you're going to bring out live streaming people, you want to have people that are running games live every single week. They do a lot of stuff. That's why I think we see the big people that are doing it. And I think that's valid. I think they uh, it's cool that they get to go out to that thing. And I do hope we get out there some point. But we, even as a show, I think can do more at some point to really do some more D D stuff. So it'd be
0: cool. Step up our so game. Fun.
1: Yeah, that's just you know don't <laughs> don't take it as a down. Take it as a challenge to to get better. So I always like that.
0: Yeah. So. No, and I think uh, I think they just wanted to like. Sometimes it comes down to they just want to invite the people they want to invite, and that's really yeah. And like, that's, that's fine. That's
1: They're friends, great. people they've known, or things they enjoy too that they watch or so. listen to, which I think is perfectly valid. I hope that at one point we're somebody at D&D headquarters that says, hey, I really like that Saturday morning D&D show I listen to every (laughs) week. And then we're like, yeah, sweet, all right. (laughs) But other than that, so we get a little bit of that information. We're seeing some other people here or there. Um, Jeremy Crawford did do Sage Advice this week. If you missed it, he was talking about monster customization Um, which is something we've seen a couple of different times on that channel, whether it was Chris Perkins talking about stuff or Mike Merle's talking about some different videos of that stuff or on D and D beyond might talk about, they even had Matt Colbill on there talking about uh, with Satine Phoenix as the host, I think way back in, and they were talking about how to modify encounters. So we're always seeing these little things. And I think this was kind of Jeremy Crawford's version of, how do you modify monsters or how do you make new ones or how do you change them or reskin them? And all the things he was saying were things that I think I've learned recently or in this past year. It wasn't all stuff I knew as a DM before, mm-hmm. but it's this idea of there's these great books of monsters. We get Mordekainen's Tome, we get Bolo's Guide, we get Monster Manual or whatever else is out there. But the idea is you can even take those and reskin them a little bit and you have something new for your players. You can modify a slight portion of the stat block and you have something that's new for your players, or there are rules to create your own monsters. stat block at all balance the way they balance it type thing Mm -hmm. in the DMG. So they really do provide a really good way. So if you feel like as a dungeon master that you're running out of monsters Go watch that video, go check out a couple of the sources that they mentioned, because I think you will feel reinvigorated by, oh, I'm not running out of monsters. I just I get to use my imagination. I just need to engage my imagination on what I want to do, and I can make that thing happen in my in my campaign.
0: It's like my favorite thing to do is take a monster and just put a funny hat on it. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, this is normally, uh, an ice troll and now it's going to be a fire troll or something. And it's like weakness is ice. And I don't know, you just kind of reverse things around and play around with it. Um, yeah. but yeah,
1: super fun. As an example and our, and last night's game, not to jump too far ahead, it had two modified monsters in it. Um, I used a cambion almost the way it is out of the player's handbook. But I modified it slightly, which I've been doing because we've talked about this on our other show where I'm using max hit points instead of the average uh, hit points that they they list because they usually they list a hit dice range. Yeah. And one of the things that Jeremy Crawford said that was really good is that your creature can be anywhere within that range and it's a balanced creature. So if you want it to be towards the lower end and you want your combat to go quicker or you don't want it to be as big a thing, move that rank, move that hit point total down to that lower range of what the hit dice plus number is. Or if you do want it to be a challenge for your party, you think your party can handle it, you can ramp that up to what its, what it's higher level is and you still get a nice meaty creature. So I've mm-hmm. got this kind of named Cambion that has now become a recurring villain in my campaign and I'm enjoying using him as a recurring villain and so I tweaked just one or two small abilities to make it so that he can really mess with the parties. And I think it turned out to a really nice meaty combat that they've been having back and forth with this guy. And then the other thing I did was I took um, the idea of a beast man from Warhammer fantasy Roleplay, which is one of my other favorite games to play. And they have really cool artwork for these big beast men like creatures, but to use it in D and cause there's not any beast men, in DD, mm-hmm. I just use the Minotaur stat block. So basically, it's a Minotaur place over, and then I can just easily run it just like that and still use the flavor of um, the Beastmaster. So it was really, or the Beastman. So it was really cool to be able to do that. So I thought that was fun. Um, came up in, a, in a, a, a session last night, even. So good stuff. Other than that, not a lot of other D news. Well, the only I do- thing I thought,
0: I do have one piece of D&D news that I thought was interesting. I was catching, and I didn't put this in our notes because, you know, screw our notes. I forget to do that sometimes. Why do (laughs) you know that I want to talk about something? Um, (laughs) I was listening to Lore You Should Know yesterday on Twitch, um, and I caught the tail end of it, but they were talking about the Dark Eight, which are... devils in the nine hells that are like generals, like, like super mm-hmm. generals. Um, and it made me think that they're dropping even more hints about what this descent is going to be, um, this storyline. And I think it's going to involve uh, the nine hells and things like yeah. that. And so it's just kind of like, there's been little sprinkling of stuff lately and it makes me excited. Cause I'm like, I want to do more, uh, plainer things with D and D. And I think this yeah. might be the storyline that does that. Uh, that so we'll is, I wish
1: you to put that in the notes because that would, that, the reason I dropped this cambion in mm-hmm. is I wanted to, when I had read Mordecai Tome of foes and they really gave us a good look at the war um, and the more demons and devils and a lot more information about what's going on with them. I remember I, I've been wanting to get into my campaign. So I put this cambion as a start to that, as it's a, um, a demon general kind of thing that's trying to release one of the bigger demon lords, like one like Grizzit type thing, mm-hmm. into the world. So it's doing all these things to make that happen. And my party has stumbled across this. They've gotten help from a devil who doesn't want the demons loose, right? So it's trying to thwart the demons. So it's this this idea of my enemy, uh, my friend, or your. What is the saying? The enemy
0: of my enemy is my friend. friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The
1: enemy of my enemy is my friend. So one of them took a deal with the devil to bring back the soul of a paladin. But the, the cost of that was to go shut down this demon gate so that this demon couldn't come into the world. Because if the demon comes in the world, it gets more souls, which makes it stronger to fight in the war against the devil. So it's this really cool. I mean, I all came from Morton canyons and so it's been unraveling in my, um, Campaign right now, so if if dissent is also going to give us even more information and more stuff to use, I'm ahead of the game for the first time in one of these campaign things. This is great. It's going to be perfect for my campaign if that's what they're doing. That makes me super excited, more yeah. excited than. I'm...
0: Yeah, I think it's. I think it's going to involve the blood war somehow, which is the Gosh. the the war between the devils and the demons and the, the eternal conflict. Because whenever devils or whenever demons are killed they just reconstitute themselves on the in the abyss and uh devils can only be killed on their home natural plane so as long as as long as they're fighting the war outside of the nine hells then devils come back and demons come back and it's just mm-hmm. this war that will never end um yeah except in fourth edition when asmodeus like stopped the war basically by ascending and becoming a god and he's mm-hmm. still a god in fifth edition uh but i think the blood war is is rekindling basically so
1: That's super cool. No, it'll be really
0: interesting, and and that's uh, who knows. Like, I could be, I could be very wrong. Uh, And it's they've they've done like lore drops before, where it like, like when when Tomb of Annihilation came out, they did a bunch of Chult lore drops that kind of fit in with that. Um, But with uh, what's the word? Um, But with later other ones, they were just like, I don't know. Let's just talk about Boulder Skate because it's interesting, and it had nothing really to do with uh, the storyline.
1: So. Waterdeep.
0: Well, Waterdeep they did a bunch of stories on Waterdeep to build up to the fact that they were releasing a campaign about Waterdeep. But what I'm trying to say is like they in this same lore you should know, they did um a whole section on Baldur's Gate. And I was mm-hmm. like, and that could just be we just wanted to talk about Baldur's Gate. It has nothing to do yeah. with the descent and the new storyline and things like that. So, yeah, makes sense. Yeah.
1: So that's not a ton of DD stuff they're ramping up for that we're getting little trickles of things here and there there's not been a ton of shows on the DD channel and DD beyond has been bringing in um other content creators and talking with mm-hmm. them so you're getting some interviews of other creators and stuff but we're not getting a lot of new DD kind of stories or lore or new yeah. news even hush when hush i watched the D, yeah i watched the D D news show with greg tito and nothing on it was new it was all here's this article in the New York times about dungeons and dragons. Here's this article I saw over on wired. Here's this, you know, so it was like, it's not really the news we were, I was looking for. I'm looking for some tidbit of, Hey, this is a new thing we're going to do. Here's the first announcement of it, but Mm -hmm. that's okay. You can't announce everything every week. So yeah, I get that. Other than that, uh, Kickstarters that I thought, um, were interesting. I noticed one that popped up that was Odyssey of, um, the Dragon Lords, which I thought was an interesting one that people might take a look at. Um, and then there was two other ones I'm doing. Go ahead. If you,
0: oh no. So Odyssey of the Dragon Lords, uh, I think I have that open. One of my players, Nathan, one of my players uh, pushed, he's P he backed this and he was just like, it looks really cool. Um, and I love Greek mythology, but it blends classic fantasy with Greek mythology. And it's from the lead designers of Baldur's gate one and two and Knights of the old Republic. So that's what
1: made me put it on the list. Yeah. Because and when I read that line. Yeah, it's
0: I already, you know, well past the goal of 50,000 that they wanted. They're at 151,000 right now with 25 days to go, but uh, it looks really cool. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like the 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 amount of like yeah. There's a Cerberus monster. Like I'm just looking at it right now, and there's just really, really cool things. So new monsters, uh, players guide, kind of how to build this stuff. Um, I'm not entirely sure what it. I, I I don't know what you're all getting. You can look at the Kickstarter. Yeah. It's definitely um, a but,
1: fifth edition adventure book, yeah. is what they're saying. So and yeah, I. We like to tell you guys what Kickstarters we are backing or we're interested in, not in a way to say you should go and do back it too, but just as a way to say, go look at it and see if it's something you like. Well, yeah. And we're
0: not in a place where we want to just give like free advertising to Kickstarter. So usually <laughs> right. this is something that like, no, we think this is really cool, you know, yeah. and they're not paying and, us for this. Or yeah. Anything, we don't
1: get any, no paid yeah. announcements here, but that's what, what drew my eyes was from the, and we know the games, Baldur's Gate one and two, which you were doing some playthroughs at one point we've had a few players in our games that do playthroughs of that on their YouTube channel and coder, which is, you know, Knights of the old Republic, which was super cool. Classic too. game. Yeah. So, you know So, and it's a fifth edition adventure we've been seeing a lot of these coming out recently we got the new monero one coming out we this one seemed pretty cool so i thought i'd add it um and then since we were on the kickstarter and we were really into the news and we didn't have much else i just had one that i kickstarted that was called and it's done um which was called Rune Masters. and what drew me to it a little bit was it was part RuneQuest, the game, which is a super popular role playing game, mm-hmm. RuneQuest, but combined with a Swedish popular role-playing game. And when I saw it, I thought, you know what, I don't play enough of the European role playing games because there's a bunch out there that they have created in Germany and Sweden and all these other places there, because they didn't have D D or D D didn't fit their kind of fantasy that they wanted to play and so they have some other games out there that are super popular and i thought you know i should expose myself to that style of an rpg too just to get the feel of how their rpgs work and what's popular over there and what they like and and, and i can glean monsters from it i can glean storylines from it i can glean maybe rules that seem cool about it mm-hmm. um, so i thought that was really cool and the artwork was fantastic very good artwork if you look at that one the last one was Lancers, um, which is a Kickstarter, and it had mobile armored suits fighting each other, and I thought, I'm a sucker for that. mech warrior, Robotech, all that kind of stuff, so I have to back this one. So that Dumb. is my current Kickstarter backing um, agenda at this point were those ones, so those cool. are pretty good. Yeah, Lancer looks interesting. Any, do you have any active that you're pledged to right now that you're waiting to, to finish up?
0: Uh, well lancers is my only one american road atlas oh well okay (laughs) uh, is uh so i i don't know if it's umerican or umerican i'm gonna say umerican i think i said umerican in a twitter video that i did but uh umerican is a post-apocalyptic future america that you play dungeon crawl classics in Um, So it has things like the Yellowstone Great Volcano because Yellowstone blew up and there's now like a big crater Um, and it has uh, just weird weird towns, weird cities, uh, all over the United States. And so you actually travel across the United States and it's a, it's a campaign setting for dungeon Claw classics. Um, and it's really cool. And I bought the original book, which was the America campaign setting. I think it has a fancy name, but I can't remember. Um, and this is an expansion to that. So, uh, originally I bought it because I keep talking about how I want to do this, um, Mad Max, uh, race with cars. DCC funnel. Like I want to have all these zero level characters are racing these cars. And mm-hmm. the uh american survival guide came with rules for combat with cars in Dungeon Call Classics. So that's why I originally bought it. And then I read through the whole thing and I'm like, this is amazing. So there's uh, an, uh, yeah, it looks really cool. And so when they when the people came out and said that they were making an expansion for it, I was excited and I and I got it. So I'll probably mm-hmm. never play it, but who knows? Maybe I'll grab some stuff from it. Um mm-hmm. I was actually thinking about like trying to convince my Sunday group to play uh in this uh post apocalyptic america setting um but i don 't know if they 're super keen on not playing d and d like I think they really want to play d and d as opposed to Dungeon call classics so and it would be yeah. it would be a a longer campaign like I think we would probably play for six months or something if I dipped my toe into actually you know exploring the post-apocalyptic America mm-hmm. uh, so that's the only one that I'm waiting on other than that I I mean I backed the Dungeon Crawl Classics Annual which is an expansion for DCC they came out with the preview uh which is actually this is really cool and I don't know a lot of companies that do this but Dungeon Crawl Classics they or Goodman Games that makes DCC they're making this post or post-apocalyptic they're making this Annual, which is an expansion to DCC, they finished the PDF and they sent it to all of the backers as a preview to look for typos. And mm. I've already submitted like two typos that I found because they're just like, no, you guys will find way more typos than any kind of proofreading that we'll ever do. So I thought that was really cool to have like a better finished product before it goes to the printer. Um, and I haven't seen a lot of Kickstarters do that. Usually it's like, here's your PDF. And it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. That one has been really fun, and it has a whole bunch of extra things for gods. So if you follow a specific god in DCC, it has all this extra information and specific spells for that god. Um, Really cool stuff. And then the funniest thing is at the very end of the book, there is something for mustache magic. So the power of your <laughs> stash and when you're level two, you can roll on this chart and grow a mustache that has magical powers. And it does all these like funny, crazy things might increase your AC might just like give you advantage on rolls up for being cool and things like that. So uh, now that my we'll get into this later, but now that my DCC players are level two, we're going to have them roll on the chart and see if any of them can grow a magical mustache. Um, yeah, which I'm excited for. So.
1: That, that was something that we don't get a lot um, in the current set of role-playing games that I've seen, but it's a really common feature of the OSR style, the DCC, MCC, is those rollable charts galore. Like yeah. Chart after chart after chart of random craziness after craziness after craziness. Um, like you were talking, we were you were on your live show the other night, and Ben from um, Questing Beast showed up. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned that his last video, which we both watched, was really cool, but it was a book that had a lot of those kinds of things World in it. Table and also- stuff
0: to keep things yeah. random, to keep things yeah. just like, I don't know what's going to happen and things like that, yeah. Uh, which Absolutely going good. back to Hot Springs Island, one of the reasons, and I said this during my live stream as well, um, but going back to Hot Springs Island, I was uh, – loved that adventure setting so much because I had to do literally no prep work. Like I read Mm -hmm. through the adventure twice. So I was very familiar with it. And then I would sit down at the table and I'm like, where do you guys want to go? Oh, you want to go left? And I'd roll a bunch of dice and I'd be like, this is what you see. It was so fun to be able Mm -hmm. to do that and to not have to like, well, I better stat out, you know, some monster fights and I better do this. Like everything was just you roll and see what happens. And that's a big, Uh, Feature of the osr i think is that they just want you to be able to sit down roll some dice and play so
1: so very cool
0: yeah so that's about it for our news segment we've already kind
1: of bled into what have we done in role-playing games or dungeons and dragons specifically this week but i thought let's catch up with what jordan had done this week i'm sure you played some games hosted some games tell us all about it
0: um well so a couple things I guess Uh, well we were going to go back weren't we because I didn't talk about something last week yeah Yeah.
1: and you were going to put it in the notes that you don't use
0: (laughs) (laughs) so the my Sunday game uh something that I wanted to talk to you about which I thought this was this was interesting is mm-hmm. uh, we fought we we were going through this tunnel um, and si- side quest is we we uncovered a box and cast like dispel magic on the arcane lock and we we got through all of the traps and stuff of this box and inside was a hilt and Jordan's mind instantly went to oh my god this is gonna be a cool sunblade this is gonna be awesome uh, so everyone was like well I don't know it could be trapped or whatever and I'm like I grab the hilt And my dungeon master was like, okay, a magical blade appears. And so now my Eldritch Knight, uh, Warforge Eldritch Knight has a sun blade, which is really cool. And so I'm like running around with a lightsaber just being awesome. (laughs) But uh, we are, which really pushed how overpowered I feel fighters are not overpowered. I shouldn't say that, but fighters are very strong in fifth edition D and D mm-hmm. and that coupled with my strength, coupled with my proficiency bonus. And I'm only level nine. I have a plus 11 to hit. And that just seems crazy. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so, mm-hmm. that just feels so broken to be able to like most times I have like a 60 to 70% chance of hitting something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, that's a side thing. Side note, but we were fighting. We're we're constantly learning about this this big, bad, evil guy called the Fallen. And he's coming after. He's trying to destroy the world somehow, and he's going to be our guy. Well, we got into a fight and he was there and none of us were expecting that so he showed up and we're just like oh snap but his the fallen's whole goal was to capture one of our npcs that's been ca- palling around with us and then get away he needed this npc for some reason uh and ultimately we were pretty much outmatched like we tried to fight him and we tried to protect the npc but like he was so powerful that we just kind of couldn't and it mm-hmm. got me thinking about how do you feel about Throwing a, a boss early at a party, like, and I I did this with my players when I was going through um, Scatha, and Scatha was a purple dragon that was trying to ascend to godhood, and her followers uh, were the Drow, and the Drow I particularly had this one Drow priestess um, show up whenever my my players had defeated like a spider or. A a troll or something and she would show up and she would walk over to the corpse of the spider and take like some venom and she's like, thank you very much for helping me complete the ritual. And then she would teleport away. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really, really cool. But I talked to my players after we finished that campaign and they were just like, we wanted to murder her so bad. And she would just show up and use us and we were so angry. And so it got me thinking, like, is that a good thing to do? Like, I like Mm -hmm. it from a narrative standpoint of having your players show up or having your villains kind of be like recurring throughout the the narrative. But at the same time, when your players can't defeat them, they just get so angry and frustrated. Or is that a feeling you want your players to have? So I don't know. Like so, that was kind of where we were at. Where we were, we basically couldn't defeat this guy. He got the NPC, he teleported out, and we were all just like, "Oh, we feel we feel like we lost." Or should we feel like we need to go kick his butt? Like we have to go get him. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Thoughts?
1: I like uh, M- MJS October says, um, and really. It's one of the Covillian things that I picked up. One of the big things I remember Covil talking about is he introduced his bad guy at the very beginning when they were level one. Mm -hmm. There was no chance of them doing anything. He kind of could do whatever he wanted and they would go off. And it made a stronger villain for them to try to tackle later on. And I like the idea of they have to know the world is dangerous. Mm -hmm. And if they only ever fight things that, they can defeat. They never, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like they never get this idea that the world is too dangerous, that they, there's things out there that they can't handle. So I like to remind them that there are things that they can't handle. I've had gods show up, and all their attacks, before they even knew what they, they were fighting a god, did nothing, mm. or their spells didn't work, or they shut down their people's dark vision, or things that aren't supposed to happen <laughs> rule-wise, but then happens. And then I have sent some things that are big um, to just remind them that this world is filled with dangerous stuff and the things they encounter, I want them to um, be cautious and I want them to decide what they want to fight and what they want to run away from. But I always do try to make sure they can run away so it's not something where I can just kill the party. And I usually think anything that's that powerful or that big... Mm -hmm. is looking at the players as if they are the insects that crawl along the ground. They actually have no real effort into doing anything to the players because it doesn't do anything at all for them. I mean, it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they do. They're insignificant. And I like to play that idea that they are insignificant so that normally through 90% of the adventure, they're the most significant part of the thing going on. Like at a village, they're the superheroes that show up to save the day. Um, in the big dark dungeons, they're beating all the big bad guys and all the bad nastiness so it doesn't get out. They're the big heroes. But every now and then, they get. I, I just feel like it, they need to be reminded there's also you're insignificant in many other ways. Yeah. There's, there's bigger things happening
0: above you. That council that of that liches not. will yeah. mess you up and you need to be afraid <laughs> yeah. of them. So, yeah.
1: So I do like that. Um, I try not to put something in... Although I'm sure I fail, and I'm sure it hasn't always worked out this way. So it's one of those things where you you have to practice it or you have to try it a few times too. you get the right thing for your party. But this idea that there's an encounter that they can get something out of, mm-hmm. And it's never just an impossible thing. Like it's I never just throw them in jail. They lose all their things and you can't get out of jail because it's magical bars and and now I'm gonna do stuff for you for a couple of sessions and then I'll let you out or something. I, yeah. I try not to take their agency away too much. Um, but and because that's kind of what you're doing with a really high-level thing, is you're you're saying all your abilities don't do anything. So all of a sudden I've taken your agency away. So it's always Every good DM um, talk show out there will caution you in being careful about taking that away from the players because they are there to to get their abilities to do things. They want to have their fun. They want to feel strong Mm -hmm. and like superheroes. So I think if it's not overdone, it's okay. Um, I think if I do it, I hope my players enjoy it. <laughs>
0: or or if something like your players can learn from it. Uh, and I'm going back to my purple dragon rising to Ascension in the Drow. Um, whenever my Drow Priestess would show up, she would cast Wall of Force to hold the PCs back while she did her thing of collecting mm-hmm. venom or troll mm-hmm. parts or something like that. And so they were just like, they were really angry at me at first because they're like, there's nothing we can do. We've tried everything. We beat on this wall. We we can't do anything. And they just could not get rid of it until they kind of got high enough level and they learned a couple spells that broke through that wall. And then she was really surprised when they did break through that wall and they thwarted her getting an ingredient that she needed. And that was so rewarding. So... Mm-hmm. Although they were frustrated, I was really trying to push them towards like this is a learning thing. Like you have to figure out how to get past that wall. And I didn't put something in there that is just absolute. Like you can't you can't break a, a wall of force no matter what you do. You can. You just have to maybe be a little higher level or figure it out, you know? Like there's ways yeah. of doing it. So Or if if the encounter is
1: not about defeating or not defeating. The encounter does have to be about something. So a lot of times when I do those encounters, it's about they're gonna get some information. The the mm-hmm. bad guy's plan starts to come out a little bit. They they get some hints or they or they cleverly get them in a conversation where something slips that the thing didn't want them to know, or they're just so powerful and arrogant, they don't care if they tell the players their plan because their players are insignificant, can't stop the plan anyways, yeah. even though they probably will go find a way to stop the plan yeah. when they get free of whatever's going on. So I always like to think if I do that encounter, the reason is for something. There, there's a purpose. Like you said, uh, I need to get an NPC away from them. I need to introduce a new element. I, they needed a couple more clues understand what the big picture is Mm -hmm. you need to know that the world is bigger than they are and there's a lot of things out there so still be cautious i'm using those moments interspersed between maybe like one every seven or eight or nine sessions or as about probably where it happens and then it just brings in something big and fantastical and and powerful in to really make sure everybody realizes we're in a cool fantasy world of danger and all kinds of cool magics and mystics and gods and all this stuff that's good ways just to keep that that flavor in it too even yeah. if they can't defeat that thing
0: yeah i don't know it's it was it was something that i was thinking of cuz like i said we were all very we just hated that guy so much for basically getting away. Um, and they, and we tried everything to try and uh, to protect our little NPC, but it just failed at the end. So, but now mm-hmm. like, I think we have a very strong resolve to go find him and figure out what's going on. So, cool. Um, and that was last week. And that was just, uh, that was a good conversation that we just had. So thank you. Um, but this week uh, I only played uh dungeon Crawl classics with my Tuesday group. Um, and we finished the module sailors on the starless sea. So we got about halfway through it and then we finished the second half. Unfortunately, one of my players couldn't uh, be there. Mm. So uh, we ended up giving to make it like fair and balanced. I guess we ended up leveling up one of the, the other characters to a level one thief. And then I had a level one warrior that I gave to another player so that they kind of had um, extra help. Cause I didn't want them to just be slaughtered through this entire thing. Uh, and they had so much fun. So the first half of Dungeon Crawl Classics, or the first half of this Sailors on the Starless Sea, I don't think my players really enjoyed what it was. Uh, they didn't enjoy the the system and things like that. And we were talking about it like they didn't feel like they were heroes. Um, and I think Dungeons & Dragons... Yeah, Dungeons & Dragons <laughs> <laughs> makes you feel like you're heroes. And DCC makes you feel like you're just like barely on the cusp of being better than a peasant. Um, yeah. But they did rise up and they are heroes. And we they we played through the, the rest of the campaign and we finished and they were just like, this was a lot better. Like they had a lot of fun. And I'm like, well, I think it's because you're level one, you guys are going to be level two now and you'll be just a little more powerful and you'll be able to feel like heroes. Um, yeah. So they had a, they had a blast. Uh, and a couple of things, when you're learning new systems, uh, be sure to pay attention to the terminology of those systems because we were reading... A lot of the spells and like the spell in large says this lasts one turn. And in Jordan's mind, a turn is a round because that's just kind of how I interpreted it. But when I actually went back and reread the rules, a turn is 10 minutes. Mm. So DCC has rounds that are 60 seconds and turns that are out of combat 10 minutes. So this Enlarge spell said that Enlarge lasts for one turn, but when you use it in combat, it lasts for the whole combat because it lasts 10 minutes. And I was like, oh... So we were playing spells incorrectly, and then when we played spells correctly, all of a sudden the wizard was like, well, this is a lot better. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, that's my bad. I'm really sorry, guys. <laughs> so they ended up mopping the floor with the, the, the boss at the end, and they uh, got on a ship and sailed away from a crumbling cavern, and we'll play again on this Tuesday another another module we'll level them up to two and we'll play yet another module and we'll see if uh any of them survive or keep going so
1: mm-hmm. but so it sounds yeah. like those modules are about a session long then you play for about a session and you get there
0: they're about four hours and we play for two and a half wow. hours so it's about mm-hmm. uh, uh so i break it up into two so yeah, mm-hmm. the first one we played hole in the sky literally was like a two and a half hour, three hour session. And we, we finished that in one session, but sailors on the starless sea. And I think the next one that we play is going to be two, maybe three sessions just for, we'll see how cautious my players are in exploring and how slow they go through the adventure. But, uh, I, if you follow me on Twitter, you could see that I, I, I bought and printed out all of these modules to read, to be like, which one do I want to play next? And I put them on Twitter, and I was just like, I don't know. And one of my players was like, oh, I want to play the one with the eyeballs. So we might be playing um, The Thing That Watches From Below, uh, nice. which is uh, a module that I've previously ran with my other group. But if that's the one they're most interested in, I might run that as well. so Because I've got plenty of options to, to play extra modules. Um, again, cool. really liking DCC. We printed out a bunch of the stuff from the annual that the kickstarter that i got the preview kickstarter and my uh the cleric in my group is is using some of the custom spells that came from that uh now that they're level 2 we're going to introduce the mustache magic and it's just gonzo and fun and i have a lot of i just have a lot of fun with this system and this game so I am ex- I was very happy that my players were open to playing it. And e- <laughs> despite they're not enjoying the, uh, the first half of Sailors on the Starless Sea, I think the mm-hmm. second half they really did enjoy. And I think they're going to enjoy the rest of the modules that we run, too. So, yeah. So that's very pretty cool. much my week in gaming. Tomorrow's Easter, so I don't have any games planned, which is sad. Um, and then I think next weekend I'm also not playing games. I'll have to, like, figure it out. But, yeah. <laughs> So I hopefully I'll I have my Tuesday games, which is which is nice. But I really mm-hmm. miss uh playing on Sundays with my other group because uh we're we're still playing um uh Betrayal Legacy, uh which is the board game, and we need to finish that because I've been writing all of this uh, my folks are in the Shadowfell, and I've been watching all, writing all of this Shadowfell stuff so that we can continue our adventure with their uh, 10th level characters. 11th level characters? I think they're level 11 now. So, yeah. Very cool. Anyway, that's me. Ramble, ramble, ramble. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. See how easy it is? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what did you do in games uh, for this week, sir? Because I, I popped Hi. in on your Friday game last night, which seemed yeah. really epic, and lots of crazy battles were happening. So.
1: Well, that definitely is what you get when you get I'm starting to realize that a Lucian game is a combat game for sure. So um, I enjoy the battles. I enjoy tacticals. I've been making maps. Like you said, the one thing that was making me laugh was I love running um, Hot Springs Island because I can just sit down at the table, roll some dice, and we can play from there. And I was thinking, man, all day yesterday, Mm -hmm. it took me three hours to set up the map get the lighting the dynamic lighting setup get the tokens set up get everything moved where i need to go, create the monster sheets so that they can roll on roll 20 like there's a whole thing i'm doing but that's because i love to play these big combat tactical games that i've been running so but we started with on wednesday night we're got our next session of tomb of annihilation mm-hmm. where we're in the jungle six level characters and we've got a really fun party um one thing that it I really liked about it. I don't want to spoil it for anybody that's about to play it or is going to go, going to play it. But this is like my second time we've talked about where I'm, we've gone through and we're still a little bit in this jungle part. And what I love about this and what I want to try to remind everybody, the thing that kind of popped in my head to say, let's bring this up on the show is that even though I've gone through technically Tomb of annihilation twice now, each time has been different because the DM runs the game differently and the parties go in slightly different directions or routes or different random encounters happen. And all of a sudden, even though I had played it one way with a different character, this character is having its own adventure, its own thing, and it's really fun to be able to play just a that same really fun module but a second time so don't feel like once you've played one of these that's it it goes on the shelf and it's never gets used again it can always be brought back for another party or another different group and play it differently and go a different route than you took it the other way have them go on the east side of the island instead of going on the west side of the island and all of a sudden you have another two-year campaign just because of that um, playing with some players that are now as a player if you've played these other ones play your character like you should as a character only knows what they can and don't, you know, that's the one danger of the metagame is where you feel like I know the plot. So I've done a really good job of not having my character leap to conclusions, really work with the characters that have not played this module at all. I'm not giving them hints or secrets about, oh, there's, there's 500 gold in that chest. Cause last time we found it, that's what was in there before not doing any of that. And really as a DM, I think in these modules, like if, when you run, The standard one, Storm King's Thunder, Tomb of Annihilation, a dragon, modify it slightly from the way it's written. And that's going to help in case anybody ever goes back and plays that anywhere else with another DM, because the other DM is going to do it with something different. And theirs is going to be modified slightly. So change the treasure a tiny bit. Maybe switch out one monster here or there, or make the monster have an ability that it didn't have in the book written so that it becomes yours, it becomes part of your story, and it becomes unique. And then that other people can go off and play in other games, or you can play another group with it or do whatever. And I think that would be really cool to, to get more value out of that $50 book you buy because you can play it more than once, or more than twice, or more than three times, or something.
0: There was somebody on YouTube, and I forget who, but I was watching some uh youtubers uh d and d youtubers that are kind of new to streaming or not streaming d and d but talking about d and d and one of them was saying that he wants to run um like a one shot with like three different groups of people and record all of it and then point out the differences about how like like even mm-hmm. though it's the same module. It feels completely different between these groups of people. And it got me thinking about Dragon on the Mount when I was playtesting it. Like there were things that your group did, Lucian, that was completely different than my home group did. That was completely different from when I had another DM run it and that Mm -hmm. DM made his own choices. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of this magical thing that happens when you just put it in the hands of a different person. It becomes a slightly different adventure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I, I thought that was cool to point out, keep that in mind and it just gives you reusability from the stuff that you're buying. It's not like a one-off purchase. And then it only gets that once um, and it allows you that creativity to make some changes. The other thing that came up during that session, um, the, our dungeon master, our Australian dungeon master, cause all my dungeon masters right now are Australian. Um, he wants to do a house rule. He, in his game, he does a house rule that when you roll a one, something bad does happen to you. So like a couple of ones got rolled and somebody get, took fumble some chance. damage from yeah. it, fumble stuff and that. Now in my campaigns, I'm currently running it as 5e is, which there is no negative to getting a one in 5e. It's just an automatic miss. But what about Jordan's games? Are you doing any homebrew when you roll a one, are you changing any homebrew when you roll a 20 or are you, are you playing it straight?
0: You know, I, I played when we were doing fourth edition, we had the homebrew and this was a carryover from another DM that was running a fourth edition game where if you missed a ranged attack and there was a there was a friendly NPC around, you would roll the attack again and have a 50 percent chance of hitting that person. Um or 50% chance that you would roll the attack again if you hit their armor class, then you actually hit them. But the more we played like that, the more nobody liked it. And we were we were inadvertently causing people to not use ranged attacks because they were just like, well, I don't want to chance it. Um, yeah. Even though it was on a natural one. Uh, so sorry, short answer. No, I don't have that in my fifth edition game. Uh, dungeon crawl classics is all about that though. Cause you roll a 20, you roll on crit charts. If you roll one, you roll on fumble charts. Um, so we definitely have that incorporated in our game, but not, not with dungeons and dragons. I think, yeah. uh, missing on a, like critically missing feels worse already. Uh, and I wouldn't want to like break my sword because I critically missed or, Um, shoot an ally because I critically missed so yeah so and
1: and uh Killian points out one of my players in chat there that I do have a homebrew um if you roll a one in my west marches game Mm -hmm. what I did with that one is um I needed a mechanic that caused them to go back to town to fix their equipment and I wanted a money sink for the money that they find on adventurers that they could spend it on because they need to fix their equipment but there is no equipment fails in 5e so on a one in my campaign you get a minus one to damage on your weapon until you get it repaired Mm -hmm. as long as it's not a magical item if a magical item doesn't fall under that rule but if you hit with your axe and you roll a one, something has happened to that axe. It's become dull. It's not as sharp as it was. The handle's a little rickety or something, or the bowstring has gotten too pulled tight. Mm-hmm. So now the strength of it's not quite as much. So they get a minus one until they get back to town and they have an artisan, uh, a blacksmith or a, a boyer or whatever, fix that item for them. And it's really been funny because we've had... it. it comes up every now and then, but we have one player that I just love. He's a really good sport about it. Pelly. He, uh, he rolls ones all the time and multiples of them through every single session. So every time he goes back to town, he's fixing all of his weapons every single time. So the running joke is that he keeps going to this really bad weaponsmith who (laughs) (laughs) can't fix anything. Or he keeps buying really shoddy weapons that keep breaking on him while he's out in the field. So it's kind of turned it into a fun RP moment. But it is an interesting mechanic. The other thing we do with armor, and I do it sometimes. I meant to do it more, but I also forget in the heat of the moment. One of the things I wanted to do was a crit homebrew rule which is if a monster crits then you would get minus one to your ac as something about your armor or something about what's going on has damaged you and you're not as defensive as you were before um but i always keep forgetting to do that um and i think that one we fall back on but that was one idea you could go get your armor fixed or you could get something fixed also so um, i like those rules to add a little bit to it but not like you said something that discourages them from shooting bows mm-hmm. because all of a sudden all their player, you know, everybody's always in engaged. You don't want your ranger just sitting out not being able to do anything because they're worried about hitting their, their party members. Yeah. So I do love that change that you can fire into a melee that's going on. You're looking for your spot. You don't have to worry about it, hitting your player. Even if you roll a one, it's not going to damage any of your players, but I do like some type of minor consequence or just not even a consequence, but just, a. um, just something that happens that adds flavor to what's going on. So it's not just you hit, I hit, you hit, I hit, you hit, I hit kind of thing. Um, so I was you know, just it wondering makes the yeah,
0: world I a little more, uh, I, I don't know. We always talk about this where do you want it, Do you want D and D to be more realistic and have rules that kind of match the real world? But then at the same time I look at it and I'm like, it's a game. It's yeah. okay that it's a game, but it's also fine if you want to have those rules. And it sounds like you've, you've got a healthy balance of just like, no, uh, you need to get this repaired. And then if you are the, like I could see myself using that mechanic if I wanted my players to go back to their home base repeatedly like Mm -hmm. they go out and explore but you know what you can't just explore forever i need you to go back and you could use rations and you could use that but you could also be like guys i've got like a minus three to my sword can we go back like i need Mm -hmm. to get this fixed it's also a money sink it's used to you know use their money uh because a lot of times what do you spend gold on like i don't want to allow them to have 37 potions of healing so what else do you spend your gold on well you can spend your gold on fixing your equipment and armor so
1: yeah yeah and it's certainly it's certainly not a perfect um way to handle those what i wanted to do but that was my my thinking behind it i wanted gold sinks i wanted reasons that they had to go back and not Mm -hmm. just stay out because in west marches the groups can change every time we run an expedition and i need a reason without just saying, well, one, the the cleric's gone today. You guys are out in the woods. And, oh, hey, a bard shows up and joins your group. I wanted something that was more rooted in realism some, at least a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, closer to realism, not full realism, but closer to say, nope, you guys went back to town. You reform a new expedition. It goes out. It has a different group of people. Now you come back and do that. So it's not perfect, but I, I hope it works. I do think it does... Hamper the fighters a little bit because they get more of the attacks. They rely on their equipment more than the other classes do. But like you said, I think fighters are pretty powerful. They have a lot of good um, abilities and statistics that they can do. And they're usually carrying a bunch of weapons anyway. So it, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be too hard for them to switch to another weapon or move to something else. And I think it gives them your equipment should get beat up when you're getting slammed on by cambians with pole arms or beastmen or minotaurs with pole arms. There should be an effect to that of some sort for you mm-hmm. to be a tank standing there and taking it so i i thought it was fun i thought i'd ask what what kind of rules you're running chat you guys can definitely um put in the types of rules you're using in your campaigns and hey this is for those of you that watch this video later on and you're watching this through youtube jump in the comments and tell us what kind of homebrew rolling crits or rolling fails you're doing in your D 5e game because we'd love to hear some of the things you guys are doing too so that's my Wednesday night game Two annihilation. I'm loving it. I love the party. I love our DM at the moment, who is also a player in one of my campaigns. So it's fun to have a player that I'm, I recognize running a game for me, which is cool. Um, and then we were going to do Thursday, but good Friday happens on or on Thursday night for me, for the Australian. So our Australian <laughs> said, no, it's good Friday. I'm, we're not going to run a game. And we're like, all his players are East coast and, and west coast players of the u.s so we're like no no it's only thursday he's like no no, no it's good friday <laughs> so we're like okay we get it so we didn't get to play that one we'll get to play next week i, I can't wait to get to that because i'm play testing the artificer as it is currently written i'm play i'm um, playing testing through the uh, artillerist line and i love being able to play this in a real game and get some real good feedback back over to wizards of the coast about the class um so that's cool but last night as you mentioned seeking revenue the mega campaign that i have created for our fans of the show all of the people playing in that are fans of saturday morning dnd Show, or even probably jordan's channel where i've often mentioned that if you want to come play in a game that i'm running or the saturday morning dnd show group is running you can send me a message you can create a character you can go out on expeditions and all of the players that play in that all came from being fans of the show which is super cool I'm gonna. I don't know how long this will run, but I'm gonna keep running it because I keep having fun. So, mm-hmm. if you're in chat right now and you're thinking, "Man, it'd be nice to be able to play a game like this," well, if you meet kind of the requirements that we have set, send me an email and I'll send you the the note that we have on it so you can kind of jump into if you feel like the schedules will meet up. Um, so, the cool thing was for last night was the big battle. Against uh, now this set piece, so there's a couple of players in in the game here, so they're going to hear a little behind the scenes, but that's okay. I trust them to role play accordingly because they're good players. Um, this was my I wanted to drop something that was very Diablo themed into my world because West marches is this big huge world with lots of stuff in it. And this is a very big It's an old monastery that sits out on the plains and nobody knows why it's there. They go in, they start getting attacked by skeletons on the top level, which they fought quite a bit. Beastmen are coming up from the bottom level. So it's, it's very Diablo like, and it, I'm coupling that with the blood war kind of stuff of the demons and the devils fighting amongst each other type thing. And the players getting involved. So it's, it's just been a nice, um, Thing to add to my campaign which i've enjoyed it is a kind of a a mid-level dungeon experience so it's got several levels to it it's a hardcore dungeon crawl um but what keeps rearing its head and i know we've talked about this in our in several of our sessions but i don't know if it's happening to you but i keep running into healing spirit is really getting crazy in some of these encounters mm-hmm um and i'm not sure what i want to do with it yet i'm talking to the player so for the gms why am i bringing this up so this is a perfect kind of thing here towards the end of our show i'm a dungeon master who feels like there might be a problem with an ability that a character gets okay but it's a legal ability it's made by wizards of the coast it comes with the druid class he chooses the spell he plays the spell as is we play it out as written but i'm feeling like something's not right about it, right? It's just feeling way too much, too powerful, too much damage. So here's what I'm trying to do. The first thing I did is I, I've kind of mentioned to the players that I feel like something's off because I want them to know my feelings on it first, but not just change a rule. Like, don't yeah. just type in there no, and yeah, say, talk hey, the spell's gone. right. And then let's just keep playing and nobody gets any input. So the idea is I want them to know I'm feeling something's up. Then I talked to the player this morning. Who's been sending me messages. I'm saying, okay, here's my side of what I'm thinking is happening. And here's where my danger is. Right. It says, it's not so much that your ability is super cool, but it's what it's letting your party do because you have it. And I'm saying what it's doing is, is it's allowing you to push further and harder than you should which can get you in trouble when the spell fails right because the spell gives them this false sense of these battles they get through that are really hard Mm -hmm. and should be hard they keep pushing on to the next battle or the next battle and eventually that healing spirit that doesn't run for in this last session it was up for the entire 10 rounds so it got its full potential out Multiple people going in and out of it. They were trying to drag bodies through it that went down unconscious. So it would get healed because it has this kind of dumb mechanic in my idea that if you just move through it, you get the benefit, and it doesn't cost them any action economy to do it once it's out. It's, it's really crazy type ability compared to any other second-level spell that's out there compared to any other ability that's out there. It just washes over all of that. Um, and so 10 rounds of this healing – They pushed on to another fight, a fight they could not win and something they wouldn't have done had they not had that healing spirit healing them through all the other fight. And so I mentioned to him, I said, what's going to happen is, is you guys are going to take on stuff that's tough because you're used to this thing keeping you up. And then you're going to lose that concentration check in that first round. And now these things that are so tough that you guys have been able to beat before are going to wipe the party because that spell didn't go off. It's almost like you have to have that spell and then you can fight these CR four creatures. But if that spell goes down, those CR four creatures are going to wipe you out. And it's, it's right on the knife edge of that, that concentration save. So I'm worried we're going to a party wipe over it. So we're going to discuss, I, I have him talking about it. I have him giving me the numbers of how much healing did it do in 10 rounds so he can, we can actually look at the number. Did it, because sometimes you might say in the heat of the moment of running the game, maybe it felt like it was OP, but if you go back and look at it, maybe it really wasn't, maybe it just felt that way. But if you go back and you number crunch it and you go, Oh, you know what? No, that's on average. That actually does seem about right. They were rolling low when they, when they got the benefit, they rolled a bunch of ones or something when they got, so maybe it doesn't feel like that in the moment it felt like it. So I want him to go back and get hard numbers. And then we can look at it. And then I asked him the important question. I said, do you feel as a player like this is overpowered compared to any of the other stuff your party's doing or you're doing? Because I want them to honestly give me an opinion to say, what do you think? Are you, are you, you know, are you cheesing this and you know it's cheese and you're using it because it is really good stinky cheese or or do you honestly think, no, I'm crazy, it's not overpowered, it's just a cool ability and don't take it away from me. type of thing? So I'm giving them a chance to come back in, and I'll let the rest of the campaign group, the, the people that are in the campaign kind of chime in a little bit and say, should we fix it? Should there be something that we do with it? But I was wondering, have you ran into, as we, we wind down in the last few moments here, have you had a rule you had to take out after you saw how it was working? Have you had any healing spirit
0: problems in your campaigns? Um, has anybody taken it in your campaign? No, nobody's taken healing spirit. Oh. So I, I have nothing. I was just thinking about it though. And I was kind of reading up on the spell so that I could, cause I'm kind of unfamiliar with it, but mm-hmm. you, you have a spirit that just heals one D six. If they walk through it or they start their turn or it, or they start their turn on it. So it made me think, wait, what if it had a healing cap, like lay on hands or something like oh, after, right. after 15 health, the spirit fades. And yeah. I think that would solve a lot of the problems where people just kind of permanently have it out there, um, and mm-hmm. it would also solve the out of combat things where it's like, oh, we're out of combat. Um, I'll will cast it, and everyone can just stand in it for five minutes, and they're fully healed. You know, because I think adjustment. that was that was <laughs> that was some of the problems that people were were abusing of that, and it needs to just have a, a cap of like, well, it can heal fifteen hit points, and then it's done. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
1: That I like that idea. One of the other ideas that it came from Jeremy Crawford because a lot of people have been asking about this, mm-hmm. and he's 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 come up with well, if this is an issue and it's it's not working your campaign, here's one thing that he might do. He talked about using your modifier for casting that spell as the number of charges you could do for it, or double that number. So if you have like a plus four for that ability, you might get eight times that you could do it before yeah. it faded away. Um, limiting it in that way. And then some of the other things I was thinking about limiting, the, I think my problem with it, and I haven't figured out what I want to do yet, is that it doesn't require action economy to use, right? It's a they concentration just throw it it out. Though, right? It's a concentration. Okay. They throw it out. And then five or six people benefit from it over and over and over throughout the, lo- the round. But there's no, there's no anything happening because of that you know there's no i need to use, if you there's look no at other bonus abilities action to similar,
0: interact with it yeah you have
1: to use your bonus action to grant it or you have to use a, even if it was a reaction there there should be something that comes from that because
0: it, or outstrips it can heal one other. person around as opposed to five people yeah. around so yeah.
1: and it outstrips any other healing spell it's to the point where there's no reason to take the other heal stuff, yeah. and the druid even said, "I didn't mean to be the dru- the healer, but that's what it's become because now he throws that down and everybody uses that to move in and out and get hit points back and and do the stuff where he's now more. Of, they look at him as the healer, and everybody else is using their abilities to do other things. And he didn't even mean to be the healer. Mm-hmm. He wasn't trying to play the healer at all. So I think it needs a tweak." I don't want to take a cool ability away from the player that has it. Cause one of the comments he made in the heat of the moment last night was, well, it's my one cool ability for this whole class. And he, and he said it in a way that made me realize, well, i get it i you have this character you have this concept and you don't want me just coming in and stripping something out that you think is cool and is the whole reason you might have picked to play this character. maybe you had this cool idea about how this healing spirit was your dead uncle who had saved you and now comes back and and helps you in a battle and heals your friends and keeps you going that's all cool i don't want to strip that and take that away but i do want to make it more in line i think with what's going on um and so I feel like there's something there, but we're gonna look at the numbers and we'll see.
0: Yeah, um, I'm trying to sure. think. Like, I mean, from a DM standpoint, and I'm sure you've tried this, but you can always like gang up on the druid, which feels like he's being ganged up on. Um, is right. there a way you can dispel magic? The the thing. I think
1: I. I like, well, that's the weird thing is I don't. It's not something that can be interacted with. I assume dispel magic yeah. can work, but nothing. Because it's a second level spell, so that
0: could be like an instant. Like I'm gonna get rid of your healing magic. And yeah. depending on turn order, it could just be useless for him to summon it because every time he summons it, the guy's going to dispel it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I haven't ran into it. I'm kind of happy that I haven't because I'm not sure how I would rule it. But well, I, I think talking through it, I probably would put a hard cap and say, you can heal 15 hit points. If you cast well, it, this at level two or level three, you could heal a, a max of 20 or 25 hit points, like, you know, and yeah. then and then just kind of make it yeah, but I don't know. Well, they if anybody, anybody still to see
1: it. it being played as the rule is written, yeah. go back and watch last night's session. I'll put it up <laughs> on YouTube. It's a VOD right now. And you can see it working over a 10-round real combat, not just theory crafting, actually happening. And yeah. you tell me, after you watch that big, long combat, how you felt. You know, Was it OP? Was it perfect or, or not? I'd love to hear from it.
0: Yeah, watch so it and was, leave some comments. Yeah, that was my gaming.
1: I can't wait to get into next week's gaming and get more stuff going on. Um, that's all I had.
0: Cool. Well, thank you guys for coming out. That's our show. Uh, we really love having you here to watch us and hang out with us. Um, and really good conversations and chat today, both on YouTube and Twitch. So thank you guys for just being awesome people and, and chatting it up. Um, we will be back next Yes, I will be here next Saturday. I was trying to think Um, we will be back here next Saturday with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D show. Um, Please leave us some iTunes reviews for the podcast. It helps get the name out there. Uh, If you enjoy this show, share it with your friends. That's always awesome too. subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're trying to get to a thousand subscribers on YouTube because that unlocks certain things for us when we get to a thousand people. Um, So that would be awesome and until then i should probably get my transitions going um (laughs) i always do this i never set it up and then i'm like oh yeah um until then we will see you next week with another episode of the saturday morning D &D show goodbye everybody take care our intro and outro music is 8-bit march by twin musicom licensed under creative commons check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org